0: Welcome to Radically Transparent, the number one podcast for the modern-day marketer, presented by Octopost, the only social media and employee advocacy solution architected for B2B. Each episode shines a light on the inner workings of B2B leadership, including what keeps successful CEOs, CMOs, and VPs up at night professionally. The conversations are real, raw, and authentic, all while revealing the unfiltered, not so known truths of today's most interesting marketers. Introducing your host, Jennifer Gutman. Hello world. Today's guest is a forward thinker who is transforming marketing organizations by developing frameworks for targeted B2B buying experiences and has created a center of excellence for digital campaign management. With experience in driving go-to-market strategy, demand generation, product marketing, and marketing analytics, she's a change agent leading teams to leverage data, technology, and analytics to deliver successful marketing programs and revenue growth. She leads with data, logic, and experience and believes there's no challenge too small or too big. It's all only an opportunity to improve. So please welcome Avnita Gulati, Senior Director, Marketing Strategy and Operations of Visa to the show. Avnita, are you ready to get radically transparent with me? Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Fantastic. So listen, you have quite the impressive background and I always like to kick off the show with an easy one, if you will. But could you give us a brief look at your professional journey and how you actually fell into the world of B2B marketing to begin with?
1: Definitely. So it was uh, an interesting journey. Um, I had my undergrad in architecture and I had the creative bend of mind, wanted to kind of overlay the logical side of things um, along with the creative side of things. And my first job as an intern was in a B2C organization. Okay. And I was presented with an opportunity to join a B2B company. And it came a pivotal point where my manager at that time was really, she was awesome. She was great. um, Very helpful in helping me make that decision. So she sat me down and she said, okay, this is what B2C looks like. And this is what B2B looks like. So which way do you want to go? And honestly, I I was too new in my career too early in my career to know which one was going to pan out to be better. But I wanted to give B2B a try at that time. So that's why I jumped into B2B and ever since have been here in B2B for, I've lost track of time. Last time I spoke, (laughs) it was like over 12 years, might've been over 15 years now. Um, But yeah, since then enjoyed it. And it's, it's challenging, challengingly complex. The sense it is, there's a, you know, buyer cohort. There's um, all kinds of different revenue goals, marketing channels. It's all exciting and challenging that kind of keeps me going every day in uncovering how we can find creative ways to solve the same problem, depending on which industry you're in, uh, which sector you're going after. So I really enjoy the journey and it's it's, uh,
0: it's never a dull moment. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear you say you enjoy the journey. And i I'd have to agree with you. It's never a dull moment. You know, I think the way you described it being beautifully complex, if you will, is spot on. However, with everything that's beautifully complex, I'm sure that there's no shortage uh, of things that keep you up at night as a B2B marketer. Could you share with us a little bit about, especially in these days, right? What is keeping you up at night professionally?
1: Yeah, I think there's a constant change in the market, right, in terms of regulations that are coming up, uh, in terms of the new digital channels that are coming up, in terms of, um, you know, we're hearing about third-party PII access versus first-party data. It's So, those are constantly challenges that uh, that my team has posed. And across the board, you when you're implementing programs, you're constantly looking at ways to improve that. And tap into those opportunities, and find the right answers. So what keeps me up at night is kind of staying up-to-date on that, um, <laughs> not falling behind, um, and supporting the team in being successful.
0: Absolutely. Listen, it, it's certainly challenging to stay on the front foot, I would say, and especially today when you have so many different technologies, so many sets of data to look at, to analyze. There's not enough time in a day. You know, There's so much information that you can use to be creative, and a lot of times it comes down to prioritizing which sets of data are going to get you the results you need. But again, right, I think I heard, I had one of our guests say that marketing is really all about experimenting. So sometimes <laughs> you just got to keep experimenting. You don't always have the answers. So with that being said, I know that when it comes to marketing and the B2B space, ABM is all the rage, right? Account-based marketing. And it's nothing new. We've been doing this for a long time. Um, Maybe the term, you know, we love acronyms, so we'll throw ABM out there. But, you know, I think especially as we learn to live side-by-side with COVID-19, we've seen a lot of marketers, especially now, turn to a very um, smart, I will say, ABM strategy. And they're continuing to look for ways that they can improve their ABM approach. Can you shed some light on how you are able to spin it differently internally, right? Because again, it's nothing new. But how how do we reframe this ABM concept and really get the buy-in of different stakeholders on board for these types of initiatives?
1: Yeah, the approach I've taken that has worked really well is having a business case, Right, having an interlock with sales, with sales and commercial oper- operational teams, uh, with understanding from a finance standpoint what it is that we're trying to accomplish in the business, mm-hmm. what are the business objectives, right? So it kind of comes down from that. So if you kind of take a top down and a bottoms up approach, you have a very clear understanding of where the business is going. And mm-hmm. as you know, as you rightly said, um, ABM is not new, it is a new focus. It is some companies that have the appetite to do it and some that don't. And then it is a long-term investment. So as long as the top leadership understands that that's what it is and it needs to align with business goals, it is not one of those quick, you know, you implement a tactic and you see those metrics and and it's successful and you've got the CPCs and uh, CPEs and all those numbers look good, but that's short-term, right? So what are we investing in in the long-term? What I enjoy the most about ABM is that it connects directly back to business objectives. It has a tangible goal and it's a long term investment, which is what we all aspire to do, right? Nobody wants to kind of do a program for one week and then have to pivot again. yeah, so that's what is exciting about that. in terms of internal communication and rallying people around that concept, I start with a business case. What it is that we are trying to? where are we trying to move the needle? Is it more better win rates? Is it retention? Mm-hmm. Is it uh, upselling more to existing customers? Is it new prospects? What kind of revenue numbers are we looking for? What kind of time frame? What's the average sales cycle? Those are some of the factors I built into my business case in collaboration with sales leadership because there is a certain goal a few quarters out, a year out. What are we trying to really hit on? And there are some tertiary and secondary goals that are supporting it, but what it is that the one thing that we want to definitely accomplish this year and then continue to invest in the long-term, which will give us some of those secondary and tertiary goals as well. So I start with those, kind of really align on that, interlock with sales on that, and then build from there. And usually in an organization that has a chief revenue officer and revenue-minded sales leadership, which is kind of a, is a given, and look for that alignment with marketing, it's definitely a success.
0: I love to hear that. And again, you know, sales and marketing come together. It, we hear it all the time, right? It's critical. Everyone sits under the common goal of revenue. You can't do marketing without sales. You can't do sales without marketing. They're really a united front. Um, and I know when you and I caught up, you spoke a little bit about uh, a concept or or um, kind of a, a machine that you've created. I want you to talk a little bit about it. The center of excellence. Can you speak a little bit more in depth about what is the center of excellence and, and how did you think of it and what went behind it? Because it truly is brilliant. And I think you know when you kind of walked me through it, uh, my brain started working. Like wow, how how can I bring this to Octopus? This is you know a phenomenal way to think about you know, what it is I'm doing. So can you dive into a little bit about the Center of Excellence?
1: Yeah, no, thank you. I like how you, how you kind of <laughs> frame that. That's, that's great. Um, so it's, it's all about how you think about and how you create a framework around go-to-market, right? And it's in terms of how you approach every problem, how you approach every goal. So like I was saying, starting with the business goal, how do you create a framework to support that? Whether you're looking to scale your business, and depending on if you're looking for explosive growth or you're looking for kind of a more sustainable, scalable model, right? So, based on that, what I've done is I've kind of looked at what are some of the elements that lead to success and what are some of the leading indicators that is, that'll get us there mm-hmm. and create a framework of how we go to market. And go to market again is another acronym, GTM, that we use and, and you know it kind of connects back to ABM and everything we do, but it really kind of um, aligns with the different teams that you work with, finance, sales, sales operations. So the framework that I've created has elements of when you do work with those teams, what it is that you're trying to get out of those conversations, right? Case in point, you're working with sales. Now you kind of got the leadership buy-in. Next, what's the next step? So what? So the next step is to kind of work with the individual regional sales leaders, as an example, that's kind of, kind of building off the framework a little bit here is that what are the defined accounts that you're pursuing, whether it's by vertical, whether it's by geography, whether it's by some kind of focus that is from uh, stemming from retention. So you define those set of accounts. You look at aligning those with what solutions that align with that vertical and account set, right? Mm-hmm. And then you define the revenue numbers and you kind of work backwards in terms of what, what how many MQLs or marketing qualified accounts you want to get And what is your percentage conversions across the pipeline? So it's very simple. Like you said, it's always existed, but I've created a template that I can take from my experience and use that model again and again. And it's repeatable, it's scalable, it's proven to be successful, and it's easy sell into the organization, right? And kind of the thinking that when you and I were talking was the parallel that I draw is, Sales has a methodology. Why does not marketing have a methodology? Don't even get me started. <laughs> right? <you're> spot on. <laughs> By the templates, like I'm in you know discussions and in, uh, in forums with my peers and network. And they're like, do you have a template for this? And I'm like, it's interesting that every time we join a new job, it's like, do you have a template for budgeting and planning? Do you have a template for analytics? So why do we need a template, right? Sales has methodologies that a company believes in, invests in. And I strongly believe, as an organization, if you're in the right time in your um, go-to-market, in your right time in when you've developed a company or, or created a company, whether it's public or private, that you can invest in a marketing methodology, I think it's worth the effort. It drives so much efficiency and streamsline the process and really aligns everybody culturally and just from a system standpoint, governance standpoint. How do we go to market? And then we test and learn and try and learn, right? Testing and trying should never go away, as we all know. But what it is that we're trying, what's the end goal? And if you can frame that from the get-go to say, this is where we're trying to get to. This is what we're going to follow. We're going to do that for a little bit longer than a week, (laughs) (laughs) six to eight months, uh, preferably. And even more, if, we, if, it's, if it's going well and we can iterate a little bit. So take a methodology, take a framework, really test it out, have a point of view. And like I said, sales has methodology, tried and tested. It's time marketing had a methodology. That's the center of excellence. And have that for programs execution, have that for analytics, have that for your digital strategy. And then tweak it a little bit, test and try, learn and get better. But just have a point of view when you start out and having that framework and taking it to your next job and the next job, it only gets better. It's a no-brainer.
0: Yeah. I now that you're explaining this to me once more and walking me through it, you know, every time you say it, I get excited about it because before I was in marketing, I spent 10 years in sales and I, you know, there was always you know, sales kickoff and you're sitting and you're learning and you're going through the power, you know, the sales playbook, essentially, and you're going through and you're learning that that specific organization's sales methodology. And for every organization I was at, there was a different methodology that you would, you know, hone in on, learn the, the culture, as you say. And I just think it's, it, it, it baffles me that we're in 2022 <laughs> and... We don't have any sort of marketing methodology and I can back you up, you know, a lot of the marketing groups I'm in as well, we're all asking for the same types of templates or, Hey, how do you do this? Or what does your, you know, ABM or what does your, uh, X look like? And all of us are kind of chiming in, oh, well, this is what I use and this is how I do it. And, you know, even me coming from a social perspective, we lean on each other to understand, hey, what does your social strategy look like? Some are sending, you know, uh, social strategy uh, built out in in, uh, Excel. Some are, are sending it over in PowerPoint. I mean, it's all over the map. And it would be so great if a community of marketers, if we could come together and really flip the script on that, right? Because I think it would make a world of a difference. And hopefully, right, help us continue to gain and earn that seat at the strategy table because now we're coming we're speaking the same language essentially as the rest of the organization and I just love how you call it the center of excellence because right who doesn't want to be excellent it's just it's brilliant um and just to build on that real quick (laughs) on the template side of things
1: what what also baffles me is that you take somebody's template and then you can't use it as is Correct. Because it is, it depends. The answer is always like, it depends. And you're like, oh gosh, I just got a template and now going back to it depends, right? <laughs> so, what are those dependencies? What are those variables? If we can reduce those variables to be just one or two things, like maybe the vertical is different, right? But, majority of it, 85% of it applies. And it's not to say that when you look at the sales methodology, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but It's not, it doesn't, it's not defined by vertical or it's not defined. It is a methodology. and Everybody gets behind it.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And that's kind of what, to your point, it's about changing the script to say, this is our methodology and we're going to go to market with this. And if it is verticalized, we'll use this template and tweak it a little bit, but we're not going to start from scratch. We're not going to go to a peer network and ask about a new template. And then the answer we get, it really depends where you are in the stage of your marketing maturity. Oh gosh, <laughs> going back to the <laughs> drawing table. So this template is good, but I can't use it yet because we're kind of early in our maturity model. Okay, then back to the drawing board, right? <laughs> so so I think it's 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 time that there was definition around where you are in your maturity model, mm-hmm. where you are, what kind of revenue size you're supporting, yeah. what is primarily your uh, vertical focus, and then have a methodology that you can pull from all these templates together and say, this is how we're going to go to market. I mean, can that conversation just, you know, it turns heads, it it
0: changes your position in the ballroom, in the boardroom, as you said. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking out loud here, right? Because, you know, not to go back to to kind of dive into ABM, but I'm going to go back for a moment to ABM because just thinking about the center of excellence and right, as you kind of work through getting that buy-in, managing up, if you will, getting the right teams on board, right? It's not instant gratification, this this strategy. It's not like, as you said, you don't see results tomorrow, but over time, hopefully you do. And, and it grows and it grows like a snowball. But in your opinion, what would you say today is one of the most challenging aspects when it comes to executing an account-based marketing strategy in general? And, and how do you overcome it?
1: Yeah, I think what people usually at the leadership level, what I've noticed is that they 100% align on the goals because you're tying those back, your marketing ABM strategy is tying back to the business goals. So that's an easy sell. Mm -hmm. The next layer down is, well, how do you accomplish that? What is it that you're going to influence? Is it going to be the win rate? Is it going to be average uh, deal size? Is it going to be the sales cycle that's going to get more efficient? So the next layer down becomes a little harder to align on and to get that interlock on with Mm -hmm. the rest of the people within your decision-making kind of, you know, you're kind of selling internally, you have your own decision-makers that you're working with, and then you have the external customer decision-makers that you're working with. But in essence, selling that idea of, okay, what is it that we really think is going to move the needle and what it is that we're trying to accomplish from a pipeline management perspective? Okay. And from maturity standpoint, this reminds me on the pipeline management piece. I've been in organizations where there is lack of pipeline management. The vantage point or from their vantage point, the view is just one quarter out. And that's not always true pipeline management. You have to have a point of view, few quarters out, have definitely a view of the current quarter and then few quarters out in terms of what are the bookings, bookings targets and revenue targets. But going back to what it is the hardest to sell is that next layer down on what it is that you really align on at the tactical level, which is one layer down from the goal, and then the budget and resources that you allocate to it. Because it is not a small investment. It includes tech. It includes resources. It includes a system that needs to be put in place which is investment from a lot of different places. And you can scale it. You can have it to be small and only one geography and test it that way. So it doesn't have to be, it's not a big company thing. It's not a small company thing. It's a mindset thing, right? So that alignment is spot on as as you start off the conversation. But next layer down is how do you execute and what budget and resources you put behind it, given specially that you won't see the results in the next quarter. It'll be a few quarters out, but would that be the best quality? Yes. It'll be less quantity. More quality, and are you ready for that? That's the maturity piece that you need to kind of lock down in that boardroom before you step out.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and it certainly should be about quality over or over quantity in most cases, because you know, take that next level, right? As the marketer is working, whether it's top of funnel, middle funnel, you know, bottom funnel, once once a client becomes a customer, right that that life cycle and how long they're with you becomes even more important, right? And and I think we all know that. So I think. You bring a, a, a very valid perspective in terms of how to think through that and and calling out right that a lot of our models at the moment um, may not be as mature as we'd like them to be, and we really need to do some zooming out and and see the whole picture, like you said, not just next quarter but a few quarters out, and then really start strategizing from there. Um, I want to ask, you know, because we are octopus and because I'm, <laughs> I absolutely love and breathe social media. Uh, I'm curious to know because, I, and I've, I've, I've definitely heard varying answers on this. Um, but I'm curious, in your opinion, what role do you feel social media plays or doesn't play uh, in supporting an ABM strategy today?
1: Yeah, and I'm really excited about social media and the evolution of it. Gosh, is it is it complex? <laughs> <And> <laughs> we need like a whole no-
0: new show for just this topic. I think.
1: We totally do. We totally do. And um and it's not less complex. It is not the regulations are not helping it become less complex, right? So every day there's a new challenge. And the exciting part is that new and it's enhanced with AI and machine learning and a lot of new technology that's coming into social media that's only making it smarter and better. And talking about going back to what keeps you up at night, how do you stay on top of it? <laughs> so like you said, we need another, another session for that. But in essence, yeah, so it plays a huge role. It has offered us opportunity to be more targeted. Okay. It has allowed us to be more analytical. It has given us so much data that we can really decipher to the nth degree the targeting that we're doing, the results that we're getting, how we can tweak and optimize our strategy with very predictable results. With very less margin of error. Mm-hmm. So I feel it's it's played an extremely important role in defining and in fact leading some of those discussions because sometimes when tech and your channels are getting that though that sophisticated, that elegant, it just presents you opportunities that you can get better in your way of thinking of targeting. Right. I mean, case in point, you have a set of accounts. Can we look at the lookalikes of those accounts? Can I? go next layer down and find decision makers that have certain titles. And I think those are very basic functionalities. It's come a long way since then. But again, it presents so much data back to you that you can make really informed decisions and really put your badge on it and say, yes, I know this technology has this level of detail within the social channels and I can tap into them. And it's almost that your predictability, your probability of winning is getting higher and higher and you're able to optimize that based on that data. So it's huge. It's come a long way and it's one of the channels that is leading our conversation and supporting us validate our assumptions and hypotheses. And that testing and learning is getting so much better every, every pa- passing month, every new tech that gets introduced. And the API connections to those social medias have gone so much stronger. I mean, if you look at the tech stack, you all have seen it kind of bleed through the paper. Like it's just like growing every day and it's only to make us smarter, right? Yeah. Those investments are well worth it. And all the connecting API connections that we get to social media channels are worth looking into and tapping into.
0: I agree a thousand percent. And and what's interesting, right? So from, from an API perspective, it's incredible how I would say even, you know, just we love LinkedIn, right? But when LinkedIn first started back in the day, their API connection wasn't so great. We couldn't get that much, you know, interesting data or useful data. And today it's a whole different game. What I also find interesting when it comes to social selling or using social media, specifically in account-based marketing, and you can keep me honest, but one of the things I personally love to do when we had our target accounts was go onto social media and see those decision makers, and I would go onto their LinkedIn profile and I would go to their where they volunteer, for example, or if they had any specific interests, because I found that data really interesting. And as a salesperson, trying to find that connection, you know, something my grandfather had always taught me was the minute you meet someone, always first try to see what you have in common and build that connection. And it's something that stuck with me. And now you have social media that it's it's so much easier to do that. But if you go, for example, and you see someone's a volunteer at Big Brothers and Sisters, and maybe you yourself were as well, or you, you know, maybe in your ABM campaign, you make a donation on that person's behalf, it becomes really interesting and I just think so much more human and more personalized. Um, in a world where again, we're all data driven and we're all looking at the data, there's just this humanistic approach to it when you can use social media for that angle. So I personally, from the other side, when I was doing sales, always appreciated when our marketers would go in and give us the ability to see that type of information as well. Right, and that's a really good point.
1: Data is only as good as the people using it, right? So data is out there. How do you leverage it? Where do you put it in your strategy and your tactical implementation? And to your point, how, how do you personalize that conversation? So to
0: close out the show of I want to ask you, what's one thing that you can tell us about yourself that we can't find out about you from simply looking at your LinkedIn profile?
1: That's a good one. That's a good one. So I'll just take a moment to go back to my roots. I'm an Indian classical dancer Oh, <laughs> and I performed on
0: TV, on national TV. Real, so my next question I lied. I have one more. Is there potentially a YouTube of this dance performance, or was this before YouTube Times? Before YouTube Times, (laughs) thank God.
1: I have pictures and I look at them and say, okay, we're going to tuck this under the pillow for a minute.
0: <laughs> I totally feel you on that, but that's, that's really fascinating. Um, how do you feel? And in, in you don't have to answer, but do you feel in any way that your experiences with dance have helped you in, in what you do today? I think it's
1: just made me very flexible in my thinking. Um, it kind of calms me down, takes me back to what my roots are and what my value system is, honestly. And I really enjoy that. That's something that's just personal to me. And I don't practice it today, but something I'm very proud of. I talk to my kids about that and they're like, really, mom? Indian classical dance? (laughs) Yes. And once in a while, I'll show them a move or two and they're like, whoa, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You still remember it? I'm like, yeah, that's deeply rooted in me. And yeah, I have pictures to show them like I was saying earlier. So (laughs) <laughs> just, it's, it's a connection they make with me, which is a di- very different personality to your point. That's something I put on LinkedIn and they look at me, you know, from working from home and whatnot. And they're like, wow, that's quite the contrast.
0: Of <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for getting radical, radically transparent with me. I want to ask if anybody listening in would like to connect or be part of your community, uh, talk ABM, get, you know, more intricate into tech talk. What's the best way to be in touch with you? Yeah, and reach out on
1: LinkedIn. I have my personal email there as well. Okay. Happy to talk. I mean, this is something I'm very passionate about. And like you said, I'm a change agent. So we can talk tech, we can talk leadership, <laughs> we can talk marketing. Happy to do that.
0: Fantastic. Avnita, thank you so much. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for tuning in to the Radically Transparent podcast brought to you by Octopost, the only social media management and employee advocacy platform architected for B2B. I'm Jennifer Gutman, your host and director of social strategy here at Octopost. And if you love today's show, we'd love if you subscribe, rate, and give a raving review wherever you get your podcasts. For more discussion on B2B social media marketing, be sure to follow Octopost on LinkedIn. And of course, to gain access to all our free social media marketing and employee advocacy resources, head on over to our website, www.octopost.com. Until next time.